know, if you really want to, if you really want to have a great day and see what that's like, believe in, you know, the stuff we talk about. You know, if you believe mm -hmm. in failure is not an option. And the next call is the worst call of your career, the defining moment of what your 30 years is going to be like. Imagine what that day will be, how awesome yeah. that day will be. Yeah, 100%. People, people want to know how to get there, how to get the mentality going, but they never want to start trying that first. You get yeah. what I'm saying? They, they want to do that part last when that part's what, what's got to be first. So, yeah. All right, well, here we are. Um, we're live. I'm really excited about tonight's show. Um, I've got all the members of uh, one of my ladder companies, uh, Salisbury Fire Department in North Carolina, uh, Ladder One B-Shift. I'll let the guys kind of introduce themselves kind of as we get started but um you know our department is full of great personalities and great firefighters um and just through some conversations in the firehouse uh, over recent months and some different calls that we've all been on you know we just came up with this idea to kind of get everybody on the show and get um kind of get the perspective from the firefighter up to the captain um about building this culture because this is one of these things that as long as i've been traveling around talking to firefighters the number one question is basically how do how do I get the mindset? How do I get the mindset in my company? How do I get the mindset in my department? And that mindset is that combat ready mentality, that end of the job, love for the job kind of stuff. And uh, you know, like I said, you know, we got a lot. I'm fortunate. You know, we have uh, lots of great guys on our department, and these guys are representative of them. But you know, this is a group of people that embody that mentality every day, and that are truly into the job. And so, you know, I thought it'd be interested for everybody here to hear from some people other than me. Um, and just kind of hear about what you guys do and, and why and how you do it. So, Burgess, you want to get started? Yeah, I'm Kevin Burgess. I'm, I'm the captain. I've been at Salisbury for 13 years. I'm the captain of Truck One for seven. You know, and I, I think when you're talking about the aggressive mindset truck company, it starts by setting standards, right, and, and holding your company to those standards, but holding yourself to them more than you hold other people to them. Uh, I think that you need to... to be trying to be the best, but being humble enough to know that you're not. And every day is an opportunity to to get better, to work toward that goal of being the best truck company in the country, right? Whether you're using calls, training for that, and it really doesn't matter also who that comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the I think having the cohesion between us three every single day from you know eight a.m. to eight a.m. the next morning. Um, you know, I trust you, you trust Jake, and it's all around. Um, and you really, you just have to set the standards and everyone has to abide by those and everyone has to have the accountability of every, every single member. So how do you do that? Cause like, so look, we, you know, when I started here, Burgess was already captain here. He was one of the training officers, you know, neither of you guys worked here. No. You get what I'm saying? So, I mean, I, I don't even remember who your crew was back then. <laughs> but, <laughs> right? but I mean, so here you got two guys that have come in the department. I've, I've only been with the department a little over five years, right? So you got two guys that have come in in that time frame, and now this is predominantly your crew. So how did you get them there? Or how did you, you know, I don't know. how, how you, you guys tell us, how did he get you there? Or you can tell them how, how you got him there. But how did this alignment come to get I think one of the things that that I was able to do is is I decided you know a few years ago that I wanted people competing to be on my company and what I wanted was the good firefighter the person who had the right attitude the right mindset wanted to go to fires and believed in the same things I believed in so you know through the way we behaved on calls you know coming off the rig on every automatic alarm with the right equipment, with the right gear on, doing the right things like it was a fire, 
and training every day, what happened is I just got people who who wanted that environment, wanted to be on my company. Mm -hmm. And it became less about trying to create it in every single person I might get assigned to people trying to get there. I I think that's a perfect example of the, you know, you attract what you advertise. You know what I'm saying is, is, yeah, you don't have to go recruit if you are advertising a certain kind of mentality and you don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to, to figure out how to deal with too many uh, turds. You know, if you advertise, this isn't the place to come lay in the recliner all day, right? If people figure out, you know, that this is the place, this is the company that trains all day, that's high performance on runs, that runs to the rig when a box drops, you know, all that kind of stuff. The people that want that are going to gravitate to that. And the people that, you know, don't are, are not going to. I mean, is that the case? or? So I think I have the outsider perspective of the latter one because, you know, I've been ladder one for probably a year and a half now. And uh, so I was on an engine previously and ladder one B shift had that notorious um, reputation for being the best of the best. That's how I saw them. And I knew that was the company I want to go to. Luckily a spot opened up and uh, I went to the captain and I told him I want to be on it. And he was very blunt and very clear. Like if you come to this company, you know, we operate a certain way. We're the best, you know, we're going to do it that certain way. And I'll tell you when I got assigned to their company, I was given a book with the latter one logo on it and it was camera it said like your a tradition of excellence tradition of excellence and uh it was it was not really like a checkoff book but it was expectations i got a i got a handwritten note from every member of the company from the senior firefighter to the driver to the captain saying what was expected of me you know welcoming me and then you know a list of the equipment and all that stuff and i think that just really set the tone for me i was like these guys are legit so who who made that book we all did. I mean, it started a few years ago. And what we decided to do after we made the first one is the the person who got the last one makes the next one. So essentially, it's... it's so it's not the same book every time. It's not the same book, but we all have a piece in it. So yeah. we'll all have our own portion from the captain to the senior fireman. So essentially, Lambus will make the next book for the next... Irons firefighter of ladder one. That's awesome. So it becomes like a little piece of organizational history, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that stuck out to me was uh, like Jake put in there in his handwritten note. He said, you know me more than anyone. I joke around, you know, like me and Jake were friends before I went to the company. But he said there and specifically, you know me more than anyone. I joke around and everything. He's like, but when the tones drop, we are serious and we're here to do a job and we're here to do it for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I, I think just I, I, I remember that in my head because it set the it set the tone for what I was getting into. And I think the thing that he said about the outside perspective is, is what I was alluding to earlier yeah. is that. You know, you, you do, you want everyone else to think you're the best, but within the company, you guys would agree that we are nonstop trying to get better. Like we know that we're not, but we do want to, we want people to view us that way. We want to work hard. We want to be known for being good at our jobs and, and we want to go out there and win. Well, I, I think that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, some people would look at that and say, oh, you know, you should have more, more humility. And I think you guys do have a lot of humility, but like we're talking about a life and death business. Like I'm telling like, uh, we, we, you should want to be the best, right? You, you know, and if you don't think you're the best, well, why not? And what are you doing about it? Like, I don't mean, what, oh no, we're the, we are the 10th to 15th best ladder company in the country. And, and we're comfortable with that. You know, no, I mean, what that, they wouldn't compute, you know? So I, I think you're saying it right is this, is that you gotta, you know, it's gotta be like the, the Vince Lombardi quote. It's the, it's the chase of perfection, knowing that you'll never be perfect, but, you know, while you're chasing perfection, hopefully you'll get excellent, you know? Mm -hmm.
Yeah. I think there's several times too, like we'll be um we'll be doing mask up drills in the bay or something. We just get like a ten second mask up and we're like, Man, we gotta get that better and everyone's like, What are you talking about? Yeah. That's ten seconds. I'm like, Well, how do I get to eight? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm trying to figure a way how I can get to eight. How can I be a couple seconds quicker? You know, we really just never settle at that's good enough. It's always what are we, how are we gonna take this to the next level where we get a little bit faster, a little bit better, a little bit smarter. Yeah. I think that's so true. And I mean, whether it be mask ups or whatever, like even with how, you know, we set up what we do on calls, like the VES ladder thing didn't start with me trying to get, you know, my own ladder. I was trying to like, can I help Jake be faster? Mm -hmm. And we are always like, what is the next thing that sets us a little bit closer to the bar or a little bit better than the next company? I mean, it's nonstop picking each other apart. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the goal? I mean, what's all that for? Yeah, just to be the best. You know, when, when if I believe that that the next call is the defining moment of my career and, and sitting, you know, in this chair, I'm either ready for that or I'm not. You know, I've either put in the work and prepared to go to that fire or I haven't. That, you know, the next day sitting at the kitchen table isn't the time to go, well, we should have done that or I wish I would have thought of this or, you know, maybe, you know, we could have done that. Like it's... You have to use every opportunity to push yourself forward because you never know what you're gonna what you're gonna face, what you're gonna have to do, and you're either gonna make that grab or make that firefighter rescue, or or you're not. Yep. Well, I know you've never heard of this guy Bull before, <laughs> but uh, he has an interesting question. Uh, we know Bull, um, and you know he's he's getting to what um, what I was kind of asking you is is for what, right? And and I think the for I know because we talk constantly, but the for what is the fire ground. Right. So, I mean, you know, kind of talk about that a little bit. Like, you know, what what is the culture that you're talking about? You know, what is the end goal here? You know, what what are the tangible things that you guys do to create that kind of thing? Uh, For me, the end goal is, is pretty simple. It's it's taking this this culture that we have built further down the line to the next generation, the generation after that. Like we say all the time, like. I feel like in this business that you're either um, you're either a reflection or you're the image. So for me, kind of being the middleman here, is everything that I do is a reflection of Captain Burgess, right? And then everything that I do also sets the image for Lambus. So being this combat ready and failure is not an option, if we keep this going, then eventually it's going to keep going on down the line with our firefighters one day and their firefighters one day, and that just gets this culture you know, it's kind of setting the, the, the next generation up like the past generation is set up for us. We kind of keep it going. Well, but I, I mean, I think, you know, kind of the ultimate the ultimate objective here is that when the bell rings, mm-hmm. you know, when the box drops, like you said, it's you, it's all business. And and the objective at that point is 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 perfection. Yeah. But, yeah but, I, I think people are scared to talk about that's the expectation. You know, I, I was talking about it. Um, at my class in, in Burlington um, yesterday, I guess it was, or whatever, as I said, you know, that's that's what people expect. You know, when, when people's house on fire and their family member is trapped in a building, what they expect is absolute perfection. And I'm sorry if you feel that's unfair, if you feel that's unattainable, you know, if, if you feel that's like a, an unreasonable standard that all, you know, no nobody's perfect, we're all human. I'm, you know, it, I'm, you know, I had that iconic picture up there of the, the fire in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where the guys just pulled the little girl out. You know, I asked the, the the people in the room. I said, you know, how many how many people here? How many people here have a daughter? Okay, that's her. You want ninety percent? What's your standard? Ninety nine percent. 
you know, he gave it your, he gave it his best shot. You know, he tried real hard. He's human. He's not perfect. You know, I don't, you know, I, I think we all know what the answer to that kind of thing is. So, you know, I mean, that's, the, is that the motivation, the fire ground performance or? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. We, we want to, I mean, we know, especially as a truck company, you know, our job is, is to pull people out of house fires and, mm -hmm. and the, you know, when we fail, you know, believing in failure is not an option or the idea that you have to be perfect. If, if we fail, the consequence for that is death. Yep. And, and a lot of times that's not going to be you. Right. And so that can be, that can be tough to swallow. And that, that is the motivation for me. And, and I would agree with Jake's, with what Jake said that, you know, I talk about it all the time was you build this mindset or this culture in firefighters, imagine what they will be like when they're battalion chiefs, yeah. when they're yeah. fire chiefs. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we, we've talked about it a lot on some shows and stuff lately. I mean, you guys have had a bunch of tough fires over the past year or so and, and a bunch involving civilian rescues and, you know, well, I won't go on to the details of it, but one of them was very tragic involving a couple of kids. And, and we were all on that fire. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a very tough fire to go to at Christmas time. And the outcome was not what any of us would want. But I think we have all, you know, we all made it through that. And having been through fires that went the other way, I, I know the way that I got through that or the way I think about it is I look at what our department did that night. Uh, and and you, you look at it and you say, what could we have done different? And I, I mean, I can't find anything. You know what I mean? I mean, not not to say there's not a little bit of this or a little bit of that, but I've been on fires. I talk about it in the combat ready program all the time that I can I tell people about from years ago where there were glaring omissions. I mean, just, you know, fundamental failures that contributed to civilian deaths. And that's very hard to deal with the next day. But I mean, I mean, is, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing with that is the time to figure out what we're going to do is not when the tone mm -hmm. drop. And I, you know, I wouldn't say we're robotic in what we do because we're very we're, we're easy to tell from our experience. And, yeah, re, that's the word. So, you know, I just think it's it's like an orchestra, though. When we pull up to these fires from our training and experience and the mindset we've instilled in every single one of us from the bottom up, when you get on these fires, it's not the time for me to ask Cap, like, you know, what what do we what do? What tools should I bring? Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> I think that's a very huge, huge point there is we talk about all the time, whenever we train every day, we train that we're getting ready to go through the nastiest push of our life and the nastiest firefight we've ever been a part of because that's what we that's what we're expecting our next call to be you know so we we hold ourselves to that standard that we're ready right now sitting here doing this podcast that if this house beside you goes off it's the nastiest thing ever we're going up there we're going to do our job and it's going to be like that i think that's such a i mean a basic thing that so many people miss and you were saying it just as we started the show is it is not rocket science. Like all you've got to do is show up to the firehouse thinking you're going to go to a fire yep. and expecting that that's going to be the worst fire you're ever going to go to in your life. And then expecting that, start doing the things now to be successful for that and continue those when the bell rings. But so many people are like, I think they're just waiting for a sure thing. Like they're waiting like for the bay door to open. They want to see the column of the smoke. Okay, guys, we know it's a fire. They want a cop or the chief on scene saying, yeah, there's somebody trapped inside and then we'll do everything. They want like the guarantee because if I don't have the guarantee, then like I'm probably going to waste some effort. Yeah. I might do too many unnecessary things here. You know, I don't know. Is that how, I mean, you guys talk to other people. Is that what other people yeah. think or? I think it starts with, you know, the start of our day. I think it's really easy when you don't go to a fire for a month or two or something like it's really easy to almost get complacent. You're like, I'm not going to a fire today. It's been, it's been a month since we've three been to a fire, you know, but is that going to stop me from <laughs> checking off my air pack and, 
and being good at it. Is that going to stop me from in the morning helping Jake, you know, check his chainsaw off to make sure he's going to be able to vent the roof later? It's like, you know, it's always, always, always having it in your mind that you're going to a fire. I, I was saying that. Oh, we haven't had any fires in a while. I was saying that on Friday morning. I missed a fire Friday night. I missed a fire on Sunday morning, yeah. one, of, one of which you caught. You know, I mean, so, so 100%. It's that it's that it's always around the corner mentality. But, you know, so a, a couple of good questions kind of coming coming in here. And, and a couple people have asked this, um, but Tyler phrased this really well. And, it, and it's a question we get all the time is, you know, how, how do you affect this change you know or how do you build this mindset um particularly in the older culture and, and i'll kind of give you from my experience is that you know I, I i've been in a fire department 30 years and only five of it has been here in salisbury and so you know i had a little bit of a relationship with salisbury before i worked here um the fire chief had hired me a couple times to come teach some classes so i already knew about the organization i've been around it for maybe 10 or so years but when i started working here on day one you know, I, I don't know exactly what percentage I would assign it, but it was it was already fairly squared away, right? And you've been here longer than I have, so maybe you can speak to some of that fine tuning. But, you know, I think one of the questions, you know, when you're dealing with this, like, well, how how as a younger guy do you change things? Or, or how as any person do you change things? I think the first thing you've got to assess is like, well, what's the gap, right? I mean, are we, go, are we trying to go from zero to 100 here? Or are we already at 90 and we're just trying to close the 10% now? You know, so what, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it can be very tough. I mean, obviously, we, we all have things we can and can't control, right? So, Tyler, I mean, that you know, what you can control is how you set your gear up on the truck every day and, and the way that uh, you think about the day for the calls you're getting ready to go on. And, and I would say we were squared away, but we weren't necessarily in that combat-ready mindset. And, and there is a, you know, bell curve or whatever you want. Like, you have to climb the hill first, and then you'll see it plateau. And then once you get over that, you'll see the floodgates open with the way that people will behave. Uh, and, and I really believe it starts with one guy. I think one person can change the mindset. Uh, and I know Lambus is going to talk about this, but, you know, if, if one person starts doing the right things, it's really hard. Captain, chief, engineer, whoever, you know, to sit in a recliner and watch somebody do the right thing over and over and be like, oh, they're just a brown noser or they're just here to do whatever. Eventually, you you will, you know, kind of pass over that bell curve and people will either get on board or be left way behind. Yeah. I, I think you, you have to not worry as much about getting the flack because you will. You will. When you come in there and they're going to think you're the bull in the china shop, younger guy trying to be the best, blah, blah, blah. You're going to get the slack from the, the older guys that have been there and, you know, they're trying to come in and just bide their time, right? Um, but you know, I think a good way to put it is, you know, you, everyone talks about like the cancer in the firehouse and like the negative energy hmm. and how it'll, it'll, it'll go over the entire firehouse. I think it's just as easy to start with one guy and all it is, is, you know, it could be me. If, if these two guys weren't up to par, I thought, and they weren't really, you know, buying in on this culture, I could be the one in the bay doing the mask ups, throwing the ladders, like trying to be proficient myself. And it, just like the cancer in the firehouse of negative energy that energy is going to end up going up the chain and it's going to happen. It won't happen overnight, but it's, I promise you, it just takes time. Well, I, I, I think, I, I think one of the things too, is that you kind of, there's a thing where the levels are different. The tide is a different height in every fire department, right? Like the minimal acceptable standard in some fire departments is that you show up no more than 10 minutes late. 
and you don't sleep all 24 hours. You sleep for only 23 hours. You get what I'm saying? Like the minimum standard in some fire departments is really low. Um, and you know, so that's, that's the biggest hill to climb there. You know what I'm saying? The, the standard, the, the, the floor level expectation, I think in our department and, and in others I'm familiar with is pretty high. Mm-hmm. You know, I would definitely, I, you know, I'm very proud of our department and I would certainly go out on a limb and say that, you know, our biggest slug would be somebody else's biggest rock star. And, and I don't have anybody in particular in mind, sure. but you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I say that with pride, you know, cause I mean, there's a, there's always, there's always a variety, a variety of people in the department, but you know, one of, um, you know, um, Tyler was, or Taylor was just kind of asking there too, I think is a tough thing. And this is a, a fairly young crowd. You know, how do you exert that influence or what advice would your would you give to a younger member that's trying to exert that influence on a 20 or 30 year guy? Mm -hmm. I would say it's pretty for for me is if nobody has set the standard, you set the standard. You know, exactly what he was saying a little while ago is you start doing the right things that, you know. And another thing that I know this can be pretty scary for some people, but challenge your captain, you know, if. And I got news is like if you're a captain watching this now and you go into the office every day, as soon as you get there and you stay away from your guys, well, you guys don't trust you. And none of this will work if your guys do not trust you. So it starts with that. Hang on, we got some kind of screen freeze issue here. Talk. Yeah, I, I agree with Jake 100%. I think it's okay to challenge people and to, to answer uh, Sharf specifically there is, you know, the people that are willing and unable are easy because that that's a training problem, right? That's someone who wants to do the right thing and either doesn't know how or hasn't been shown how. So, yep. you know, the easy answer there is to, to take them and show them. The hardest person is the person who could do it and chooses not to, right? And, and I would say, you know, rising tides lift all all boats, right? And that it can be hard to be on an island. It can be hard to be the only person coming off with gloves on. But but look, we all know what the right things to do are. And it becomes very hard as a supervisor to tell people, like, there are days where I don't want to do anything in the firehouse, right? We all have that. And Lambus will come in and be like, I need to work on spotting or whatever. And I'll be like, oh, my God, dude, this guy every day with the with let's drive around in the truck without air conditioning and park it all over the place. It becomes very hard to tell someone who wants the right things. No, like even if you don't want to do it. So so to answer all those things, like how a lot of people want to know, you know, they keep asking, how do you build the culture? And I think it starts with believing in the mindset. If you, if you start the day, I started talking about this before we started, but if you start the day believing if you fail, somebody's going to die, and in 10 seconds you're going to the fire, the, the fire that will define your career, how would you behave if I told you that before you got on, on duty that day? And that's how you should And behave. people think that won't happen, but you got to realize like every time you hear about a bad fire... Every time you hear about a line of duty death, that just happened to somebody. No. Right? Nobody that going to a bad fire tonight or, or isn't, God forbid, involved in a line of duty death is sitting around thinking right now, yep, yep, that thing's going to go out in about 20 seconds. Oh, that's probably it right there. Like, I mean, everybody thinks nothing big is going to happen today. Everybody thinks this is going to be another bread and butter routine fire. But if you behaved that, that way for one day, what would that day be like? And that's what your days should be like. And I'm not saying that that we don't have fun. I 100% believe the day should be fun. But I think Jake said it earlier. 
when it's time to be business, we're a hundred percent business. Mm-hmm. And when it's time to, to goof off and have fun, you know, we goof off and have fun. So I've seen a couple people say like, you know, how do you not offend the the crowd that's above you and maybe is you know, the slugs or whatever. And I think you have to, one, not be worried about offending them, but two, like, set your example, but don't shove it down their throats, right? Just start setting that example and not going to them and telling them that they're the slug, what you think they're doing is wrong, right? Because all that happens when you do that is it makes them not want to follow you even more because you're you're offending them. Well, and be able to explain yourself, right? When those people come and be like, why is this line on the ground on this automatic fire alarm be like i was just trying to get a rep i'm just trying to get better like you don't have to come at people brash and like you know throw it down and be like i'm just trying to train you know you don't have to freak out you can just you know say like look i'm just trying to get better and it becomes hard like what chief is going to be like we're not going to get better today rack it back yeah well yeah so jerry's got a good question here i guess um well i know where you guys work but i suppose we ought to take a minute and kind of maybe you know uh you're the captain you want to kind of describe the, the firehouse, the district, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're uh, we're ladder company one. We're, we're actually in a two-piece house. Uh, there's an engine there. We're housed in headquarters, you know. So I know uh, you guys like that. Yeah, so <laughs> ma- maximum security prison. <laughs> the, the wardens are there, you know. So our battalion chief is housed with us. Uh, we run about 2,500 calls a year. Uh, mutual aid, we do a lot of fire. Uh, we're the pretty busy for a truck company or service company. Um, and I would say that, you know, the mindset has grown over the years where most people do buy into it. Uh, we've had several different engine companies oh, yeah. uh, with us over. They get very cranky and transfer out. They're, they're very busy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they just kind of get on board. Like it's hard to watch another company train or, and I don't want to say they're training because we train, they train because they have the same mindset we do. Mm-hmm. But if they were out there stretching line and we were sitting, you know, in, in the, in the recliners in the bay, we'd be like, oh man, like mm-hmm. look, those guys are getting I, it. And I, we're I, just, we're just doing nothing. My observation is the house is very cohesive is the engine and truck function very much as a, as a unit and, and the, you know, there's different personalities on the different companies. Um, but, but everybody there likes to be busy. I mean, like you said, I mean, yeah. you know, if the engine is probably twice as busy as the truck, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, but, but there's, I think there's certain kinds of firefighters that like that tempo, you know what I mean? They like that tempo of going on runs. Um, that firehouse is first due to a lot of the working area of the city. Um, so of course that's, that's a fun kind of place to be. Um, so, you know, this was kind of an interesting one that kind of popped up also, see what you guys think is, you know, starting a a new, you know, a a new career department, you know, Chris is asking about here in its first five years, you know, if you're about to put up, you know, your first truck company, I guess, presumably the first truck dedicated truck company department has ever had, you know, what are the must haves for that? Is the question about like what a equipment should they have or policy? Well, probably less than that. You know, I would recommend ladders and howling bars and saws yeah. and things. But <laughs> the, I think kind of, I think a lot of times more of that is kind of like, you know, kind of the operational, you know, approach, um, you know, how that department, how that company's going to operate on fires, you know, the staffing levels, riding assignments, you know, things like that. Do you kind of want to run through the riding assignments of how they're set up on ladder one? And the other thing that's interesting to talk about is that, you know, you guys are set up to ride four, but very often ride three. So, I mean, you know, talking about how you adapt to that. 
Yeah, so one of the things is, is I think Lambus talked about how regimented we are, and I think that lends to the ability to be more aggressive. And, and what I mean by that is, is we have riding assignments that come with tool complements, and it's actual, actually policy, but we follow them. Uh, and we don't just follow them because we, you know, we don't have our own thoughts. We came up with them with our administration for things that work. So, um, you know, we split our truck company. So Lambus and I are the inside team, and uh, we bring the, the irons, a can, uh, and a hook, okay, every time into the fire. Um, and then Jake is on the outside team. I'll let him talk about the outside team. Yeah, so pretty much um, I'll bring appropriate ladder and a hook and bar, and my first goal is to handle all rescue on the outside. So I do uh, a ton of VES in, in our city, which is pretty much I get to target bedrooms, and I get to get in there maybe a little earlier than the, these two guys do, so I can go ahead and get in those targeted locations and um kind of go from there and then i could we also have uh our second man off if we're if we're riding for that day most of the time we're not so i have another specialty truck coming and their driver is going to bring the appropriate ladder saw and pig so now with those tools just with two people bringing off we can we can address rescue and we can address ventilation and we're pretty much ready for whichever way the fire takes us we're prepared for it well, and from the cultural perspective there too, kind of, I know Chris was, was kind of focused at there, you know, the fire service does many different things in different places these days. I historically grew up in a dedicated engine ladder company culture, right? Engines had hose and they sprayed water and ladder trucks did not have hose. They threw ladders and cut roofs and, and that's pretty much what we did. You know, we are a dedicated, you know, engine and truck city. Um, and uh, that has a lot of advantage, you know, because you get to focus on that. You know what I mean? You, you know that's what you're doing when you're going to fires. You guys never have to go to a fire and worry about being the engine unless somebody told you to take a line off of their engine for some reason. Um, but, you know, so I think that allows you to kind of focus on that culture, doesn't it? Or, I mean, how, what do you guys? I mean, you worked in a department previously where you want to quint, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, his question is like, what is the must-haves? I think it is like we just went over our riding assignments. It's like, figure out what you're going to do. If you're a ladder, you know, your department, if your ladder driver is going to be in charge of just bringing you there and then meeting up with whoever else and doing it, then that's what you do. But you need to figure out like, who's, is our ladder going in and searching for these people? Is our ladder driver going to the roof or VES and all that? I would say that's the biggest must have. It's not the equipment. It's what are we going to do when we get to this fire? Well, I think the riding, you know, if I was building a truck company, the first thing I would do is riding assignments. And I may not have thought that 13 years ago, but I get that all the time is, you know, they tell you what to do, where to go and what tools to bring. And you like that. Mm. I love it. Yeah. I don't want to think about anything. They tell you that if you play football. Too. Yeah, that, yeah, 100 percent. You know, yeah. the quarterback can't come in and be like, you know, I think the kicker should take I, the ball. I brought this baseball bat. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah it, and I love how regimented it can be. And it frees us up to think about things that actually matter. Like, where are the victims? Where are we going to enter? Is there a better way? And and I don't have to I don't have to make anything up. And so when when the bell hits for us, you know, going back to all the things we talked about, we're ready. You know, we're as ready as we could be. We've done the training. We set the truck up correctly and everyone knows their role. There's not a lot of conversation and there's a lot of trust here. And, and that was gained through going to calls and, and all holding each other to the to that standard. 
uh, to let us just go do the job when the bell goes off. So, so here's a good throwdown one. What are your top three truck trails? Yet spotting is really big for us right now. So positioning the rig and, and we drive around the city and do it. This is not like we don't just have a drill tower that we spot on. We literally get in the rig and we go uh, and we all do it. We just did a drill where we start. Lambus is the newest truck driver. Uh, he's a backup driver. So he he took a spot. Then I did the spot. And then because Jake drives every day, he did the spot. And then we talked about who got the best spot. Um, <laughs> So that's one that we, we do a lot because positioning really matters. If you get the position wrong and somebody blocks you from getting the right one, you're kind of toast there. Um, we like to do a, a drill that we call empty the ladder bed, mm -hmm. which we all do. And you basically start as the driver and you have to, to get every ladder off the rig to the most appropriate position. Um, and so that includes the 35, if that question's going to come up. <laughs> oh, boy. And, uh, and we do a lot of search training. And one other thing I'll add in there, uh, or I want maybe you to talk about, is how we hot wash incidents, whether it be even from the fire alarm to the structure fire. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're still hot washing a fire from over a year ago, right? right? Uh, each fire we go to, you know, it's not a pat on the back after. You know, as, as much as we say we want to be the best, and, you know, we have that humility, though, that we know that it's just not like, you know, good job, Jake, you did right. We take laps around the house. We go see where Jake put his, you know, his VES lighters. Did Jake choose the right windows? Did Jake choose the right time to vent this roof? Did Cap get, you know, did he get lost in this fire? Did he know like what I was, what I was saying, you know, while we were in there? Did we choose, you know, the right route inside? Did I force this door correctly? All those things, and you know, no matter what, it's there is a learning point in everything. I've never been to a fire with any of us where we didn't have a learning point. You know, almost all three of us have a learning point mm -hmm. each fire, even. If we think we're, we did really good, you can find something to do better to bring to the next fire. Well, and just a couple observations I have of things I think I see you guys do. I mean, you know, one thing, I mean, talk about, you know, one of you kind of talk about that, the expectation of the ladder company on the fire alarms and structure fires in terms of positioning and setup. You do it, so. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, even on a fire alarm, we, in this city, we go to a lot of fire alarms, we get there and it's burning. Um, so whenever he's not kidding, not kidding. <laughs> God, God bless the ghetto, you know. Yeah. Um, but so pretty much whenever we get there, I'm positioning the truck just like this building is on fire. So I'm positioning my truck where I can um, make the roof and then handle all VES opportunities I may have on that, and then be able to land my basket below grade in case I get a victim. I can bring him straight down, and then also position my truck for the um, aggressive defensive. So I've kind of got a few things there that I position my truck for right off the get. So if it's a fire alarm and uh, they go in and they've got smoke banked down in the hallway, we are ready to rock and roll right there. So I think that kind of is huge. Um, I like to say a lot is every time that we go to a structure fire or a fire alarm, we try to beat it by a hundred, okay? If you're going to fires right now and you're barely getting by, and you're winning by like one point, eventually you're going to lose. If you think about any sport team, if you know, if you take the, if you take one sport team and then you just, you have them winning by one every single time, eventually they will lose. But if you're winning by a hundred every single time, you're going to win. There's a much bigger safety. Much, there. much bigger there. And, and, you know, Jackson asked something about, you know, laying lines and, and putting ladders up and, and we can talk about that culture a little bit, but we are, 
by far not the only fire department that operates that way. But, you know, one of the things that I was kind of thinking about is, you know, as you guys know, one of our expectations is, is that even on an automatic fire alarm, that the, the ladder company will position and will will put the aerial to the roof, will we'll make the roof. And, and that is, of course, you know, if it's a fire, we're already in position. And if it's not a fire, then it was just, it was probably one of the best drills you know, that guy got that day. And I just was thinking we had a fire alarm, not on your shift, um, but the other day downtown and um, it was on our, you know, it was literally on one of, on Main Street and it was in the middle of the afternoon and, uh, you know, mixed, uh, a three-story mixed occupancy, stores on the first floor, two stories of apartments above and uh, ladder one comes in, takes a position, shuts the whole damn street down, starts making the roof and I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, someone's going to, Someone's going to complain that we're, we're shutting off Main Street in the middle of the day and it's not, it's not smoke pouring out of the building. And I mean, you know, we were probably there for 20 minutes investigating the alarm. Guy made the roof with a parapet ladder and everything. Half of City Hall was outside watching, you know, taking videos for city social media. Fire chief stopped by because it was a new building. Not a soul said a word. Not, no citizen came to us. The mayor didn't come by. The city manager didn't stop us. The fire chief didn't stop us. Like, because why, why are the firefighters doing what they're doing? Well, a fire alarm went off and their job is to be ready for when it's a fire, you know? And so I do hear these stories sometimes from people and I just, you know, I just, maybe I'm lucky, but I, I've never operated, you know, I've been a firefighter in seven different states and I got to tell you, and all of them have operated pretty close to this way. Every department I've operated in has operated with this kind of mentality and never once have I had, you know, some official of something like come up and shake their finger at me and ask me why are you doing that it's not a real working fire like uh, maybe that happens in other cities i don't know but it's just never happened to me and and so when you know when we get asked that well how can you get justified doing this and doing that on a reported fire the answer isn't what we've been talking about the answer is because we're assuming this is the worst fire of our pot that we're going to go to in our lives and we're doing the things now to be successful if it is right. you know because i mean I, I think you guys have had them too you know but i have had these fires where you think it's gonna be nothing i mean literally pulling up on nothing showing one one of the largest fires i've been to in my life you know we, we pulled up on the first in engine with not a stitch of smoke coming out of this thing and i mean not 45 minutes later they were striking the eighth alarm there were five maydays and an entire four-story building collapsed 15 feet away from me 45 minutes later out of nothing showing you get what i'm saying and i didn't have a plum clue when i went to bed that night or when the box dropped in the firehouse that that was going to happen yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think I think my biggest eye opener was, you know, I think it was three or four months ago, I was on a timeout driving engine three and we pulled up to a nothing showing fire alarm. Everyone did what they were supposed to. I got that engine position. There was a female trapped inside and a working fire once that door was opened. And I think if you are behind the eight ball and you're this is at like two AM, you're behind the eight ball, you're relaxed, you don't think you're going to a fire, it's just that another routine fire alarm. If you're already behind the eight ball, it's it's over. Yeah, there's it's, no catching up. It's super problematic in the fire service that we go that ninety percent of the calls that we go to are nonsense because what people people use that and go well it's nothing until I prove it's something, and it should be the other way around. You you it, you know if failure truly isn't an option, it's the worst until you prove it's not. And and if it's not like like you were saying, you ran all these calls that ended up being that call. You know even if it wasn't, you just got a zero discretionary time drill. You yeah. were you were at the kitchen table, you were in the shower, you were in the rack. You got a drill on a building you normally don't go to. 
and you had no time to plan it. Because yeah. normally when we do the drill, we get together and we go, hey, let's go do this aerial spotting today. And we're going to go to Gold Hill Apartments or wherever, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I don't want to get too off topic on it, but I was talking about it again in, in, in at the Passion for the Craft Conference yesterday is, you know, I'm getting a little callous and fed up at these yep. tragic fires, you know, and fires that result in a line of duty death. And you hear about it like, oh, my God, that's terrible. What happened? And then you read it and you're like, well... You know, Jake got burned up in a fire. Why did he get burned up? Oh, he went inside the fire with no turnout gear on. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> I feel sad, but what do you expect to happen there? And, and and you hear all these repeatable problems about people not doing 360s and falling into basement fires and, and people not getting water supplies and running out of water and people having, you know, no prepare, you know, no preparation process for their incident commander and therefore having terrible command and tactics at a fire. And you're like... You know, when you're screwing all this stuff up, things that have happened over and over to other people, what did you expect to happen? Yep. Like, I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad something bad happened, but I'm not surprised. Yep. You know, and, and that's it's really kind of a slap in the face to, to those that have died because we talk all the time about all this brotherhood stuff and pay it forward and we're, we're going we're gonna to learn the lessons. You know what I mean? And then we don't. We don't learn the lessons. I mean, there's a we talk about it all the time in the classes. You know, there's a handful of repeatable, you know, repeating fire ground problems that... You can sit around and say, you know what, between today and one year from now, somebody's probably going to die again yep. from screwing up the same thing that somebody's been screwing up every year. And it's just, I don't know, if it's tradition, if it's obstinance, if it's ignorance, if it's, you know, just being a daredevil or what. But I mean, you know, that when you talk about not having that mentality, like, you know, if you're not going to a fire thinking it's going to be really bad... And then it is really bad. Like, what, I'm supposed to be surprised? And, and we seem to be the only profession that continually gets this wrong. Like, do greats 14 show up to practice and be like, look, guys, this isn't a game. You know, why is everybody trying why you to tackle This isn't the Super Bowl. Why are you trying to tackle yeah. me? Yeah. You, you know, like, tackle on Sundays. It's Monday. Yeah. You know, and is the mechanic come in and be like, geez, man, I, you know, I've I sure hope I don't have to fix any cars today. I don't want to accident like <laughs> accidentally fix one. Like we're the only profession that seems to think that it's okay to sit around all day, do no firefighting stuff, or do it half-ass until it's actually a problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, what he said is 100% true. He said, how do you justify that? And it is sad that that is a real thing around the country. Like, I don't understand when we're going to wake up. Because we see all the time, you, you read these news articles about this bad fire and the fire chiefs on there saying, well, we did all we could do. What well, did you? You know, if we're having to justify laying lines on false alarms, that goes to, did you do all you could do? Or did you just show up one night and say, well, I'm going to throw a couple guys at it and what happens, yeah. happens. Quite, quite frankly, there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to do as little work as they have to. That's right. Un until they have to. Yeah. Well, they, they want it. They want to be assured that this is, I assure you, this is a working fire with kids trapped. Now will you do the firefighting things? Okay, since you twisted my arm, you know, but if they, if you can't give them that guarantee, let me just get up in there and see what I got. Let's just go check it out. Yeah, you know? and and I always think like we get the question all the time. Like it'll be like, "Well, I'm a volunteer. Like, how do you get that? Like, I you have to be more. Exactly. I get on the truck every third day and get to do this. I get 100%. my own fire truck with my own people and my own stuff. Yeah. And when you're running from home, like you better be more squared away, because I was able to go. You're facing the same fire. You yeah, the fire yep. doesn't care. And, and I don't know when we were going to hit this, but I think it's important. Like. 
People ask me from the captain perspective all the time, the fire does not care what department you're at, how prepared you are, what rank you are. Like the fire doesn't go, oh my God, the captain is here. I'll chill out now. Like, and I'll, you know, Lambus will talk about this. Uh, I tell him all the time, like, when we go in there, we're equals. You know, unless I say bail out the window, yeah. you know, we're both in there to do a search. We're just firefighters looking for people. You know, we'll do the hot wash and the, the captain firefighter thing later, the firefighter to captain thing later. But, you know, I mean, the fires don't care. So if you're looking to, to change culture, it's about doing the right things. So, I mean, Stephen's asking here kind of, what is the relationship? Because you you run with multiple engine companies, right? You run you run out with engine one a lot, but I mean you're going with several other engines very frequently. So what is that? What is that pre-fire conversation or planning? You know, so that you know there's a synergy there between the engine and the engine getting a water supply and getting a position, and the truck getting position on the building. So what do you well, do to make that work? What I do is I I have a conversation. If I get a new engine driver somewhere within the city, I'll have a conversation with them. And I think it is so, so key for the ladder drivers and your, and your engine drivers to be so in tune where they cannot at 3 a.m. mess it up. You know, the engine gets the fire, I get the building. And I think that's pretty much just what I tell them when they know. Like if you either, you're either pulling past or you're stopping short, you give me the building and I'll give you the fire. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. We'll, we'll tell them all the time, like, we're not going to park in front of your hydrant. Don't park in front of our building. Don't park in front of our ladder tunnel, and we won't park in front of your cross life. Yeah. Um, the reality there is is we are so disciplined and regimented, at, and we do this on so many calls that, like, I can't, can't even remember or maybe even imagine an engine tr- being where I wanted to park. Mm-hmm. We, we actually train our engine drivers. One of the, the questions on the test they have to take is, uh, what is the primary thought when positioning the engine? And the answer is, don't park where the truck would park. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, uh, someone asked, what's your top three truck drills? I think part of my top three truck drills is getting a reported fire or fire alarm on shift because I know every time we go, I count that as a drill. Which you're going to run every day. I mean, the next day, ladder one doesn't have a fire alarm. Just, yeah. just let me know. I mean, know. You, get, you get five to ten of those drills maybe a day. And to be fair, yeah. like people ask all the time, like, how do you do what you do to these people's? But the, first of all, the real answer is they have no idea what you're doing. As far as they know, the building's on fire. Like, we're deploying our rope bag in big box structures on fire alarms all the time they have no idea what we're doing i don't know what they're doing i don't sell the stuff at walmart i just do the firefighting stuff so i don't bother i don't check anybody out while i'm there nobody i don't run anything. the cash register yeah i just do them and nobody says anything in fact most of the time they're you know if they do ask you say oh we just ran a drill while we were here and most of the time that. most of the time if you really tell them they're super impressed yeah yeah most oh, of yeah. the time they're super grateful and impressed like wow you really thought they're running out trying to tell you no i just burnt my cookies and they're, you know, because they think they're doing you a favor by telling you to stop. Mm-hmm. And then when you explain to them what you're doing, they're like, oh, wow, yeah. you guys are rock stars. You yeah. know, they're super, they're super appreciative. That, that goes back to just the little stuff like that. You're either preparing to win or you're getting ready to fail. Yeah. You know, yeah. you pick whichever one you want to do. Well. But that's what it is. And, and, and so, you know, we talk about that, that top three drill things. One of the things I wanted to say earlier, one of the things I've always been impressed with, and I know a lot of our firehouses do it is that not only you know integrating drills into you know the calls throughout the day because you're you're running with that it's a fire mentality but i mean i see i see the guys out there both the engine and the truck a lot of times during morning checks you know all of a sudden it's not morning checks it's like a mini structure fire drill mm-hmm. yep. I mean, you want to talk about that at all or 
Yeah, uh, I think you know it's when you when we when, the, when we have these proficiencies we want to work on. I think right there at shift change after we get our equipment checked off, it is one where you know you just got there, you just had your morning cup of coffee. You know, let's let's run some lines, let's throw some ladders. Cap, you want to do a search drill? You know what I mean? It's just it's keeping that beat throughout the day, and uh, you know there's there's you're there for 24 hours. There is there is all that time that you could be drilling and learning. Well, I mean, and, and I mean, I saw C shift doing it the other day. I mean, one of the things almost everybody's going to do in the morning on the truck is you know put the outriggers down, fly the aerial, and you know, make sure all that's working, everything. Yeah. You know, so just as simple as you know doing that out back, where out back of station one, there's a circa 1940s or something four story. I mean, it's generous calling it a drill tower. At this point, it's kind of like a pile of bricks, but it's nice. It's nice to have, <laughs> yeah. right? But I mean, you know, so taking the time that they they had taken, they were out there for like 30 minutes and I look over and they had turned checking the truck off into like going over positioning, you know, to making a pitched roof on the garage out back to yep. then into a VES drill. Like it can be so much more than just rig checks. You know what I mean? A lot of guys go out there, they turn the batteries on, they see that it starts and then they're done. Yeah. And, and you can really make a lot more out of it than, you know, if you want to, than that. I mean, sure. but so I think that kind of segues good into our day and everything. And, and Dennis had asked here a little while about, you know, if you guys do like a roll call or like a shift briefing in the morning. I mean, I, I think it'll be kind of interesting for people to kind of hear what is your, on a, on a standard day, you know, you come into the firehouse, and then what? You know, what are each of you doing, you know, before the runs come in? Yeah, I can start, uh, you know, I like to get my gear over to the rig like everybody. Uh, I've got a little officer compartment, so when I'm walking my gear to the front of the truck, I, I check that, make sure that uh, the stuff I need for my calls is in there. Um, you know, I start with my pack, and uh, Landis and I have a standard that uh, I guess like 5,100 pounds is what the air pack will hold before the the blow-off valve goes, so that's what goes in it every day. So uh, 45's not full for us. We go till the air pack won't explode. Uh, and so I check my mask off, and for me, I, I don't, uh, the guy I relieve, the captain I relieve, doesn't set the uh, his stuff up the same way. And at first I was, you know, a little annoyed every day. I had to come in and move everything. And then I realized it was really a blessing. What it, what it does for me is it makes me, you know, be very regimented about how I set the rig up. Uh, and, and my space because I like to come off the truck if I have to wear anything it's on me when my door opens uh, whether that's a rope bag a flashlight the thermal imager it's already there so so I check you know the air pack the imager the rope bag my flashlight um, you know a lot of times I may not meet with them exactly then uh, we do do a roll call it's at 9 a.m. every company in the city gets uh, on the radio uh, and we'll all check in and normally that's when I meet back up with them and I'll let you guys talk that and then we'll talk about what we do well, after that real real quick I mean I think you brought up some really good points is it, it it that should be okay like it should be okay right that the captain you relieve and you do things different so when you come in like you take his stuff off and you set things up your way but you know in an I, I've I've encountered people before a lot of people would get offended at that like mm -hmm. if I was relieving Lambus and I started changing everything he would like well, what do you think I'm a moron? Like you got to you got to have all this stuff your way. I mean, no, it's okay to have things different. I mean, I remember you know as a firefighter in Washington D.C., you know, on an engine company um, to take a turn. You know, it was not uncommon at all. It was probably like sixty percent of days you would come in and somebody want, would want to pull one or more attack lines off of the rig and put it back on. 
you know, because it was a little sloppy or it bounced up and down the road too many times the day before. And that's okay. That's not a shot at the guy before, right? That's taking ownership of your position for the day and having pride that your stuff is just so you got your workflow down and that's what makes you effective. And it's, it's not a you versus them. It's just you, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. My personal workflow is a little different. And like I said, I, I like to, when I open the door, you know, I'll go to my captain's compartment and get my hook to, to do my 360 and meet Lambus. But, you know, I like to have everything on, you know, from, from, you know, the air pack turned on, the imager turned on, the flashlight on, you know, everything ready to go. So when I pop that door, you know, if mom is grabbing me saying my kid's in that window, like me and Lambus are 10 seconds away from being in that room. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's just a workflow thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk about get my equipment together. You know, same thing. I bring my gear to the truck. You know, we have little briefings between who you're relieving. So let me know how many calls you ran, you know, what if equipment's broken, all that. Uh, my biggest thing is when I came to Lateral and B-Shift, Captain Burrs told me he wants my hands to be on every single piece of equipment there. Now I take my priority steps, right? Like in medical bag does not get checked before the chainsaws and the fans and my irons, right? Um, I just think it's, it's very important when I'm checking off my equipment. Like it's not, yep, it's there. My, my portable fan is there. It's are my batteries good? Does it run? All that. Um, and it's setting our gear up. I think setting my gear up on the rig for success. You know, I get dressed fully in the back of the truck. So I make sure all my stuff every morning is there. I know I'm going to put my box light on. Is it fully charged? My irons, everything. And uh, it's just, it's, it's workflow. You got to have your, I, I'm a regimented person. My workflow better be the exact same each time. And so it starts with that very start of the morning. Well, I think it's got to be, you know, when you have a house fire three blocks from the firehouse, like today isn't the day that, oh, I put my gloves on the left side instead yeah, of the yeah. right side. Like, yeah. you know, consistency is key when speed mm -hmm. matters. And, you know, I think another important thing that you kind of hit on there, too, is like, you know, checking things versus visually verifying things that are there. There are a lot of people that their morning check is they walk around the firehouse and they're like, yep. It's that is a ladder there. truck. It's here. Nobody took it. You know, the same thing. Like they open the doors and like, yep, I saw the saws. That's not the same thing. No. Yeah. You know, looking in the compartment and seeing the chainsaw is not the same thing as taking it out, running it, topping off the fluids, checking the chain tension, you know, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and I think that's a, that's a critical part of just being a firefighter. What do you have to rush to do? Like why, why is it you don't have time to methodically go through this stuff? Like if you thoroughly check everything on ladder one, you know, how long does it take? 50, 45, 50 minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is that, that, I mean, is that's one, uh, I'm not great at math. What's that? That one twenty-fourth of the day, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? Like, it's not a big ask. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's, if it's the morning coffee or the breakfast, you are just honing in to want, and that's keeping you from your rig check. I'll tell you what, I drink my coffee while I'm checking off the truck. Like, yeah, it is, there is, we're all having coffee. Yeah. Like we're, we're doing this. It's, it's your priority to make sure your truck is good. Cause I'm telling you a shift change fire in our city is not you know, out of this world to think about. It happens pretty often. It happened yesterday. Well, and, you know? and one of the things that, you know, we've done, or we've tried to do at least from the admin level there too, is that, you know, it, it's my expectation and I've communicated to everybody else that nothing is more important than rig checks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Nothing is more important. Nothing goes on the calendar before 9 a.m., you know, and, and the battalion's got to know, like, they have to give you time to get your stuff. Because, I mean, when you're on the way to the to the burn building for drills that day, I mean, that, you could catch a fire on the yeah, way. You sure. know, you've got to have had the time to check your equipment, check your air packs, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I, I tell my guys the same thing. I, you guys will both admit, like I told you, the most important thing is the rig. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we'll, we'll move who rides it, but that is the constant, right? right. The rig is always the constant. Yeah. yeah. So how about as the driver? Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, very, very similar. It's very similar to the officer. Um, the first thing I do is check off my pack, all that, make sure we're good and topped off in my thermal imager. And then go to the back. Our tools for drivers kind of, they can change throughout the shift. Some people like them one way, some like them the other. So I arrange my, uh, my, my hook and bar first to the way I want it so I know where it's going to be whenever I get back there. Um, and then after I get that settled, I go over and I start really checking off the saws. And so what I'm doing with the saws is I'm getting them all out. I'm running them. I'm topping them off. Um, with my, my inboard and outboard saws, I'm getting my depths set for different things that I want. Um, so I like, to, I like to adjust my depth. Some people like the depths a little shallower. I like mine um, opened up so I can get the max cut at first, and then I know that I can adjust. You know, later on, I know that right now it's at the max, so if I want it lower, I just have to adjust it a little. And then I kind of uh, go back around, hit our extrication equipment, all that good stuff. So pretty much a lot of just getting stuff in order for my workflow for the day. What are you doing with the rig itself? I mean, are you, are you setting it up every day? Every day, yep. Every morning, we like to get the rig set up. Um, get it around we like to get a good spot in and we, we've started here here lately is in the parking lot you would be surprised that in just a parking lot and a building how many different little tough spots you can make you know one day you can say the fire's on the alpha side next day it's on the bravo side and really get get that truck into a good position every day you can really challenge yourself that way and we like to do that a lot like one thing I think that is is really special about us is is we're not scared to look stupid in front of each other we will go out there and absolutely blow a drill to better ourselves, yeah. like in a quick second. And I think that's where a big thing about this whole this whole aggressive truck company thing is. Is I think around around the world that we see when we go out is a lot of people are scared to put themselves out there. And if you're scared to put yourself out there, well, I promise the fire is going to put you out there whenever you get there one day. Like it is going to put you out there. Mm-hmm. So we try to address that before the fire. Um, kind of keeps us humble and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the easy thing to do when, when you're not good at something is avoid it, especially as yeah. a captain, man. I've seen that so many times. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, if the, we're training on something that, like, a certain captain isn't good at, they'll stand in the back mm-hmm. and drink their coffee. And, and I tell the guys all the time, like, you know, it's I almost want to be the weak link, right? If I If you guys surpass me, then I've done a great job. But, you know, I have to be humble enough to know the fire doesn't give a shit. And if yeah. there's something I need to work on, these guys may have something that can help me. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk about your, like, I think a big talking point there is, like, your humility you have as a captain. Like, you've came to me, I can't, I don't know how many times, and wanted to pick my brain on searching. You've been searching years before me. And it's kind of a weird feeling when your captain comes to you and he's like, how do you pick apart these buildings like that? You know, why did you do this? And like you're wanting to learn from me just as much as I want to learn from you and Jake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there was one thing I wanted to say about truck checks is I used to get super involved in truck checks, and I realized the guys got pretty pissed off about that. They thought I was like not trusting them. So uh, I go out there with my coffee, and if a drill pops off, you know I'm down for that. But I try to let the guys check their equipment. I think what they get mad about is like I, you know, when I want to, if I ride in the back, I'll check the stuff they check. But if I'm not, you know, if it's not my thing, I kind of leave it alone. Uh, I don't touch the saws because I'm probably not going to have one. But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I, I kind of made a decision. I really wanted to be great. And it didn't, for me, it didn't matter 
who that came from, and I wanted to be challenged, right? I was getting to the point in my career where I'd had a bunch of companies, and, you know, I've been to a bunch of fires. I'm hitting the halfway point in my career, and, you know, there's there's things I definitely need to work on, you know, and get better at. So one of the things I noticed was, was Lambus has a very unique ability to map a structure and no visibility, and I had just noticed this as going to fires with him, and uh, he actually taught, built a PowerPoint and taught us a class. And I think he thought I was like picking on him or like he didn't know how seriously I was a student in it. Uh, but I was. I just I wanted to know and I wanted to get better. And for me, it's not about who it who it comes from. You know, like ultimately I'm responsible and I have to drive the company in a certain direction because I'm the captain. But, you know, we, we talk about it doesn't, you know, that failure is not an option when the bell goes off. You know, I got to be just as good and I need them to be good. And, and you know, so that that's kind of where I was looking at it was to get better. I need to learn from, from everybody. You know, you know, even people like, you know, Jake drives the truck every day. So if I have a question about spotting, I can't just sit around and be like, well, I don't know. And I don't want to be embarrassed by asking. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, you know, one of the common things that comes up here, I think, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of think that a large majority of departments out there are running combination role apparatus. They're running rescue engines and quints. Um, and you know, there's challenge in that. It, it's hard to be the Jack all trades. You know what I mean? And, and I think that, you know, I, I, I can't, I won't say always. Um, but in a, in a lot of circumstances, when quints come into play, truck works suffers. suffers. Um, You're so want to be first day. <laughs> yeah. I, so how, how do you do, I mean, you know, so I, you worked here in the days when Salisbury was running Quince, um, yeah. which was, you know, years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and you previously worked in an apartment where you operated on Quince. So, I mean, what, yep. what thought do you guys have on this? For me, it's the basics, you know, and, and we saw the same thing here. When, when we ran Quince, uh, we lost the truck culture, you know, but, and I tell these guys this all the time. It's true for me. Like the drill doesn't have to be crazy. You know, the, the truck's job is to force entry, entry for engines, to search and rescue, and to ventilate. You know, and so whatever skills, whether that's ground ladders or search drills or forceful entry or whatever you're doing, the, the easy way to lose that is to not do the skills. Right. If you can't be a de dedicated truck, you know, you need to, to stay up on those skills the same as you would on an engine. And the great, you know, the way to be a great engine is to stretch lines all the time. Right. Know where your hydrants are and stretch lines. So if you're looking for that truck culture, it, to me, it's in the skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, previously, I worked on a Quint and uh, I think it's just you're the jack of all trades. And the only thing I can say is just mirror what you said is like the basics, the force of door, stretch a line you know, ventilate, all that stuff you have to get down. I just think the only thing tough, tough with that is you just, you don't know which way you're going to operate. So you better at least be proficient at the basics, right? And you yeah. can. Well, and, and I, you know, I never operated on quints really any, any time in my career. Um, but, you know, my perspective would be is that you approach that the same way you approach everything we've been talking about is, is it's all about the mindset, right? I mean, you know, you might be sitting in the firehouse saying, man, I wish we were a dry ladder truck and all we had to do is, was ladder company work. But, you know, you probably can't wizard that into place either. So, you know, if, if you've got to operate in that dual function quint operation, then I guess what we're going to do is we're going to sit down and we're going to figure out how to do that the best way we can. And we're going to figure out solid workflow, 
if we got to do engine sit, we're going to we're going to figure out solid workflow if we got to do truck stuff. And I mean, that the, the core mindset that we've been talking about this whole conversation, I think you just have to apply it to whatever your reality is. You, you know what I mean? But, you know, I, I think that you got to make sure that you do try and keep that that truck company mindset. Somebody has to do the truck work. Right. And, and, and we say it all the time. You know, truck work is not about the vehicle. It might involve a vehicle, but. Truck company operations are tasks that are done on every fire ground in the country, even if there's no ladder company there. Yep. You know what I mean? Doing searches, forcing doors, throwing ladders, ventilating the building. Those are things that would traditionally fall in the bucket of truck company operations. And like I said, you might need an aerial device to do that. But for most of America, you don't. Nope. You know, but those jobs got to be done. I mean, you know, you where you volunteer, I mean, I don't know, do they have ladder trucks in that county? Nope. <laughs> but I mean, that, <laughs> didn't think so. They just got motorized cars there, didn't yeah. they? But I mean, they, you know, I'm sure you guys search, right? I mean, I've heard you talk about yeah. it. So I think that's a, a really good point is uh, I think a lot of times we get hung up. Well, we see it around the country a lot is, is they're like, we only have three people. So our driver's pretty much going to man the rig. Like, no, sweetheart, that's not going to work <laughs> because like someone's dying in there. You know, like most of fires we go to. My truck, a lot of times, is these little meal houses. It's just a toolbox that I drove there, right? And then I get out, and I VES by myself. Like, once I pull the park brake, I may see them inside. I may see them after the fire. I don't know because we just we just don't know, you know? Yeah. Most of the time, I run into them. As, like, whenever I'm searching a room, they'll open the door, and I'm like, I got it. Get out of here. And then Lambus will go on somewhere else. But I think it's uh, – we can't just – especially in these low manpower places – you can't you can't marry one guy to that truck. You have to you have to learn through your training how to be aggressive by yourself doing your VESs through your targeted searches and be able to go and cut a vent hole and stuff like that. Because that's how I am. Most of the time, I'm by myself for at least a good five ten minutes. Well, I mean that's something we talk about, you know, in both the engine and ladder company world is, you know, we don't have the staffing to leave somebody at the turntable nope. when the area was in play, and, and and most of the time it wouldn't. Honestly, in my judgment, be necessary for it to do so. That personnel is better better utilized, moving the incident forward somewhere else. And I mean the same thing with the engine. Now the engine driver has to be a little bit more tied to the fire truck because they're pumping it, you know. But I mean the the engine driver, you know, in our area especially, can very easily be throwing a ladder. You know, might take the window in coordination when they get water on the fire. Might be pushing some line in the front door. You know, you can't operate like a fire department that has 50 people on a fire when you have five people on a fire. Yep, yep. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sure. some you got to start, you know, working smarter. You got to start finding some hacks. You know, some of the things that might be the, the rule of the land elsewhere might just not be something that you can do. Absolutely. Um, now, you got to be careful you don't push that into things that are just downright ridiculous or unsafe. But, um, you know, you do have to find those workflows, I think. I think no matter what your assignment is, if... If we were Quint one in Salisbury, and as much as we would hate it that, you know, dang cap, we got to pull a line or or stretch and search today. Like, what what is this? I think no matter what, be bought all the way in. Like, if you're on Quint one, you better be the best Quint in the United States of America, mm -hmm. and your crew better be doing what they can to prove that to yourself and the the opposing companies. You know, I think that's yeah. what it leads down to. So let, let's talk a little bit about the fire. Right? We talk about the firehouse, talk about coming in, kind of getting the day going. I think they've gotten the idea about your drill mentality, you know, and that's just outside the formal drills, which are planned, you know, but all right. So the run comes in. What's, what's, we're, we're pulling up on a, on a fire. You know, we have a working fire. What's the workflows? 
Yeah, we don't do a lot of conversation uh, on the way to the call other than the usual, like, hype each other up, you know? (laughs) I think uh, one time I dapped Lambus up and said, we're going to work, boys, and Jake got all offended because uh, he didn't get his fist bump. Um, We were driving fire to each other. Um, It's a big tower. We're very regimented in what we'll do, so uh, very rarely will we have a conversation because we already know the plan and and what everybody's going to do. For me... Uh, you know, I come off and I, I'm wearing everything that I was going to wear, including my gloves. Uh, I get my five foot Vulcan hook and I carry dual VES ladders, uh, and I have to make a 360. Talk about the VES ladder in case anybody's not familiar. Yeah. VES ladders are a ladder that we broke and we took a chop saw and cut them down to about five, six foot, five, six foot. Uh, it's, it's an extension ladder without the dogs. So there's actually two of them. They just slide apart. Um, and I take them on my lap for two reasons. One is we're, we're a four man truck really riding three. I know Jake wants to VES, so I get him an extra ladder there, uh, by doing that. But my other thought is if we get there and there's only one viable space and we need it. Uh, so the VES ladder being five feet gets us to first story windows that are, you know, just tall enough not to hop in. Uh, and ridiculous for a 14 foot or 16 foot ladder. So if there's one viable window, it gets me and Lambus the the one room we could search. So I carry them on my lap. I place them for Jake at the place I think they're most necessary. And then I meet up with Lambus uh, at the front door, and I'll let him talk his work through. But well, I mask up and. Are you doing your own 360? Oh yeah. And what about the what if the engine's already done one? Yeah, if the engine has done one, and I got incredible information on a building that when I look at it, it is exactly as they described it. I might not, but I would say 90 percent of the time I'm going to make my own. And the reason I want to make my own from the truck is what I'm looking for are where are the bedrooms. You know, where's the kitchen? Where's the fire? You know, how are we going to be best suited when we enter here to formulate our search pattern to be the most effective? Uh, and I also am not just a huge enter on the Lambus and Jake will tell you, I'm, I just don't think the Alpha Door is always the play. It is a lot, but I want to see, was there a better entry for the search? Yeah, well, we, we run a decent number of fires too where fire is just blowing out the front of the house and you know it's not really an option right now so i mean i guess you got to find the other plan b yeah i like to see it myself um you know lambus will talk about he doesn't get to see it and so you know i don't i do it fast so yeah uh workflow for me is i'm usually uh looking straight i try to get you know as much as cap's gonna give his size and everything i want to see it from my eyes i don't want the first time i see the building is when i hop out the door right so, and I try to get two sides of the building. I want to see either the, the Brava or the Delta side pulling up, see what I got, and tell me the depth of the structure. Um, I'll get out. I'll tell you a workflow thing that I've just always done is when I grab my irons and open my door, I'll switch to my left hand and I pop his his officer door where his hook is. And that's just something I always do while I'm slamming my door so that it doesn't slow him down. It's one thing. Grab my can. Um, my goal always is when I'm running up, you know, not to slow down, but I want to figure out what my conditions are and what I've got. Uh, bystander information, all that. And then uh, my goal is to have that door forced, not only for the engine, but for my officer. I want the door forced before Captain Burgess finishes 360 and gets to me. I actually want to be searching before he gets to me. Um, I think it's just having what I got down. I just, my, my equipment better be on correctly. My tools better be ready to go. And, you know, we better be, there is no 
mom put my glove on as we're pulling up kind of thing. Yeah, there's no time to fumble. Yeah, you know, not, not at all. Like, we're not, no turnovers. Well, that that's a big thing, though. I mean, you know that's a lot of firefighters, what they're doing in the front yard for 45 seconds is yep. screwing around with their gloves yeah, and chin strap, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, so how do you guys, how, how do you get ahead of that? Drill. 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 Like, You've got to be putting your, like, I'm so over the excuses of people saying that they can't mask up with their gloves on. Like, it's such bullshit. Like, all you have to do <laughs> is practice at it. And then they're like, if you want a good excuse, then go tell it to some dead kid's mom. Like, I don't want to hear it. Like, tell them why you was 40 seconds slower getting in the building. Well, I can't hit the well, curveball, yeah. Jake. Yeah, 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 I can't hit the curveball. And that's a rabbit hole there, the yeah. masking up with the gloves on. But, you know, and... and you know, are there times when Lambus riding the irons could come off of the rig with his mask on? There are times, right? But you're driving the fire truck, yeah. right? And the and, and one year, one year, <laughs> I swear, if I come in next day and you're you're masked up in the driver's seat, but you know, you're driving the fire, and one one of the first things you're gonna do is try to ves. Yep. yep. So I mean, there's really there's really no conceivable way you have to have that skill, and you might be driving the truck next shift. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, even if you could do it today, next shift, you're going to have to be able to do it. So, I mean, I think whether whether the masking up with your gloves on is something you do on every single fire or you do when you're in certain positions where you do sometimes, like, it's still a skill every firefighter needs to have. Well, I mean, for Jake, like he, he talked about earlier, his goal is to get to viable spaces Lambus and I couldn't get to. Okay, so Jake drove the truck there in his bunker pants, hood, and radio, and his radio. So he has to put his coat on, his gloves on, get his his air pack, get hit, turn his thermal imager on, get his ladder, get his tools, make a lap, and do that. Right. So you better be fast. You better be well trained at that workflow in each one of those skills. Or would you ever be faster than the inside truck? I mean, and it's a thing to us. Like we. We don't want to be beat by Jake, but we also <laughs> want whoever's going to save the person to be yeah. fast. Yep. Yeah. So what's your workflow? Yeah, so I get there and pretty much I kind of... Well, what do you... I mean, a small point people ask us about a lot, though, is what do you drive? Um, so it really... I like to drive with, with code on to, um, to fires, obviously, because like we, we talk about all the time is... We are behind the eight ball, especially me. I am so far behind the eight ball when we pull out that it is just, it's hard yeah. to catch up. Like you've got to be on it to catch up. Um, so get there and, and finish getting dressed and dressed and whatnot, and then go get my appropriate ladder hook and bar and, um, you know, get a good spot with the truck. And then I start a lap. I do a lap for myself. Um, what my lap is doing is I'm looking for any known rescue I'm also looking for those targeted uh, locations that I like to search. And then another thing I'm doing is I'm having to, to see the building construction, right? How is this house cut up? Is this house cut up? Is there knee walls in this house? How many void spaces do I know right off the get that I have that I'm going to have to deal with? Because I'm a big believer in, you know, I think a lot, of, a lot of places in the country don't take knee wall fires very seriously. But if one of my guys get burned up in a knee wall fire, it's on me. I should open that up from the outside and let that stuff out. So looking at uh, building construction, looking at the fire and the smoke behavior, what's the fire doing? I like to look a lot at that front porch where that engine is. Are they having a hard time getting in? If they're having a hard time getting in, I better be getting two, three VESs in real quick because they're, they're having either a problem with forcible entry or they're having a problem pushing through fire. So that kind of tells me where I need to drive my VES out. Um, yeah, and I think that's a critical point. I mean, 
you know, to that to that point, you know, mm-hmm. one of the fires you guys had recently, you know, you 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 executed, I think, five five VESs, mm-hmm. and you, were you riding four that night, or was it three? Three. So that's five. That's you doing five VESs on one fire in in less than ten minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know I've watched the video. I, you know, I've watched that. We watched the video of that. But I mean, that's that's pretty wild. You know, I mean that that's pretty that's a pretty wild thing. Well, a lot of people will ask like, how do I supervise him when I'm nowhere near him? And I, I think that's funny. Every time I get asked that, I don't supervise him on the fire ground. He's his own. He's his own captain. He's his own company. I supervise him before the fire. Yep. Right. The way that Jake gets the freedom to be his own company officer on the fire ground is by. His his attitude, his mindset, the performance he puts in every day, like he's he's shown me the trust. Like how does any company officer get to be a company officer? Mm. You know, by doing the right things and proving they're capable of, of leading. And that's Jake has done that and done every bit of it fantastically without the batch. Well, and and I think you know it. it we, we say it all the time. That position, you know, whether it's the truck driver or the outside vent or whatever position in your department is is that. That job that has the the first responsibility for making the initial outside truck decisions, that is by far like the I think the most complicated spot on the fire ground, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the engine's job is pretty simple. If you're the first in engine, pro tip, get a hose line, start putting the fire out, right? If you're the first in truck, it's pretty much if you're the inside team, force the door for the engine, get them to the fire, start doing the search then work on extension, horizontal vent as you go when it becomes appropriate, right? Yep. But the outside truck, what should you do first on your next fire? Who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be VES. It could, could be, be go to the roof. Yeah. You know, it could window be force the rear door. It could be deal with window bars. And you've got to make that decision by yourself in like 20 seconds. Well, you know? that's where I think it's huge. And I see a lot of – I think the driver officer has to be uh, so in tune on this stuff that when we go up to stuff, I have to be – I have to get. I have to start, especially when you start talking about rescue incidents. I have to start getting the ball rolling on my position without talking to him about it. I have to know where he wants to truck. I have to know where he wants the winch placement. You know, stuff like that. I think it's so huge that we have this this great connection because, well, mainly it's because he's the only person I've ever worked for there. So like, I know exactly what he's gonna do before he even does it. I think that's huge, especially if you if you're a new driver out there. The best the best advice I could give you is get so in tune with your company officer where you're you're going ahead and you're getting these these balls rolling on these incidents. Well, and the hot, the nonstop hot washing we do too. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I mean, we want to be as in tune with what you're doing and, and vice versa too. I mean, yep. we all want, like, we go around spotting. I don't just stand there and be like, park the truck correctly. Like, I get behind yeah. the wheel and I let them tear my spot apart. Well, I, wrong, I, I think an interesting thing to talk about that I don't think all departments do um, is how you guys are allowed to rotate around, oh, yeah. even even in a daily assignment. Why don't you kind of talk about that? Yeah, so for a while there, we were pretty good. We had like every uh, shift. Yeah, you hadn't you hadn't you hadn't been the officer on duty for like a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I spent a couple months riding in the back. So uh, you know, Jake's an acting officer, so he can ride in my position, and and Lambus can ride in Jake's position. So. You know, occasionally I'll spend a few months riding <laughs> either as the Irons firefighter or the OV firefighter uh, or the driver. And I think it's not necessarily to, to train them. I feel, you know, they're already checked off. They've passed. I, I have full confidence in them. But what I like to stay in touch with is, is what are they going through every day? 
Uh, you know, mm-hmm. what are the calls like for them? What are they having to do? You know, and, and I can't lose sight of uh, the members I'm leading, what they're encountering, what they're doing. And when I do it, they're, he's the captain. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't lean on the dog box and say, I think you should do this or that or well, you know. And I think that's critical to keeping everything connected. I mean, you know, nothing, nothing, I'm not taking a shot against anybody that's been a driver for 20 years or been a captain for 20 years. But, you know, if, if you've been a captain for 20 years, you know, when was the last time you had the irons? You know, when was the last time you cut the roof? And I, and I think that being able to rotate around like that, it gives you appreciation. It keeps yep. you because it's always changing, right? That The truck work is, I mean, the whole job is always changing. And if you're not staying engaged in it, then you're, you're getting behind, you know. And, and I look at it from my position, you know, as the operations chief. Because some people be like, well, how can you justify that? You got a captain on there; he's not in charge. Well, if Jake can be in charge when you're not here, he can certainly be in charge when you are here. Mm -hmm. You're gonna, you know what I'm saying? You're gonna be his partner inside. I mean, (laughs) what? Right? And I mean, so I mean, I love it. I mean, well, I I think actually I'm riding the irons for you guys tomorrow, tomorrow, at least for nine hours. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, we'll do something. Um, But I I think that's a critical thing. Um, Yeah, and I want to stay good at it. Right? It's hard for it's hard for leaders to get. You know, we we just did the last podcast we did was about the firefighting chief, and we talked about chiefs that they get it, and the same is applicable to me. Like if Lambus never sees me force a door or never willing to step into his shoes, yep. you know, and I just point and say, "Open the door, go search the building. I'll be out here if you need me. Call me." You know, but if I'm willing to step in there, you know, I want his respect probably as much as he wants mine. Yeah, yep. that's yep. what I was talking about earlier about the reflection. Whenever. I'm timed out and I'm running my own company. I I run it the way that I've been shown how, you know, so that's why it's so important. Every move he makes, he's got someone watching him. Every move I make, Lambus is watching me. That's how we progress this company up and, and kind of build each other. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the other questions kind of dealing with your workflow on the fire ground that came up was, uh, you know, about your searches. You know, as inside team, do you guys normally run a split you know, how do you guys normally run those searches inside? Yeah, it depends on the building. Uh, I, you know, a lot of people will ask me, in fact, when Lambus came to Ladder One, he said, how far will you let me go? And, and, you <laughs> Loaded know, question. Yeah, he, he very much wanted to know. And, and I said, well, that depends, right? I mean, so it depends on the layout for me, uh, but we will, and the conditions we're in, but we will 100% split. Um, we'll split, uh, you know, shotgun halls and take left, right, um, it really kind of depends, and you can answer too, the layout of the house, I think, dictates our movement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I personally like to get the living room or the initial hallway searched before he gets his 360, because that's where I get my layout and everything. And that's where, you know, your your down and dirty grabs are going to be. You want to get to those places really fast. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all dependent on the layout, right? So, like, if it's a kitchen fire... We want to hit those livable spaces, you know, close enough to the fire. Um, and we'll more than anything, right? Like I'll hit a room. I'll say, hey, cat, in this bedroom on the right. And he'll either stay there and hook ceiling and watch for me, depending on conditions, or he's in the next room. And because of our training and our drilling and know what we're doing, I know when I come out of that room, I'm going to find him in the next one. If he's in there, I'll yell to him and go to the next one. And it's just, it's that, it's that cohesion between us two. Cause we've just, we've searched enough fires together and trained that, that's how we do it, but we're more that we definitely are okay splitting, getting away from each other. Yeah, and it kind of depends whether we're we're waiting on the engine or if we went to a you know, uh, 
to a single piece engine house district and they already have a line in there like if they already have a line in there and getting it we're, we're going to be pretty split um but it, you know we may be holding fire back with the can hooking a little ceiling while he's getting a search and we'll kind of rotate uh you know and i'll take the next room and he'll kind of hold the hold the area but it kind of depends on conditions and layout how, how do you so a lot of times you're by yourself mm -hmm. as the as the truck driver until the second due ladder gets there you know, how do you work the coordination between what you're doing and the next arriving ladder company and like their outside team? Yeah, so pretty much I I rely on them like to listen to the radio traffic. Like if I'm second truck, I'm listening to the radio traffic. I want to know if they're VES and where they're VES and because that could that could help me drive my next move. OK, so do we need to focus on horizontal now? Do we need to focus on vertical now? Uh, do we need to focus more on VESs now? You know, I think it's important, especially for that second in ladder driver, to be paying attention to the radio traffic. Are they having a hard time making a push in stuff like that? Because that's really driving where the outside vent team needs to needs to push towards. So that's kind of what I'm relying on. As, okay. You know them. Yeah. So how about you know how about after the fire, right? I mean, you guys talked a little bit about how you guys critique each other, but. You know, you run a working fire, or, or even if you just run an interesting reported structure fire, it turns out to be nothing. You know, how, what what are you guys critiquing in each other? What are you guys looking at? How are you talking about that after the incident? Depends on how we did. <laughs> uh, you know, we ran a, a pretty nonsense fire where we got a, a bad spot. And so we, we left all the rigs in place and worked to get the truck where we wanted it. So... You know, we'll take those opportunities uh, to train. We, we had a fire where I, I had made the wrong move um, in the search. So after the fire, we went back in and we walked through when we could see what the search pattern was. And I just said, like, this is what I did. And I mean, these guys got, you know, told me, like, I, I you know, think you made a mistake. And that's what I'm looking for. I want to be challenged. I want uh, that feedback. So, you know, we'll get together and walk through what everybody did including Jake. We want to know what he did. And it's a very humble, like I said, outwardly to other companies, we want them to look and go, you know, they're the best. They're, you know, they're on the pedestal. But internally, it's a very humble thing. It's a very, you know, no matter who it's coming from, we're, we're all take the criticism and we'll take it pretty much however it comes. Yeah. And so how, how do you, and maybe this is a question for both sides, because that, I think honestly, that's an uncommon thing, right? So you've got two or three times on, you know, on the job, what these, what your guys have, right? And, and so, I mean, how do you as a captain with two to three times more experience, you know, take that, you know, take that hit, take that advice, humble yourself. And, and, you know, I, I think that I, I would like to hear about that from both the captain's perspective and from the crew perspective. Well, the, the easy part of it is that I, I trust them. I trust their judgment. I think they're good firefighters, uh, not because of me. And like I talked about earlier, creating an environment where good people wanted to come work for me, I knew that was going to be challenging also, that I was going to get the best firefighters who wanted to be there. But then the easy answer for me is I want to be really good at this. And if I want to be challenged, it doesn't really matter who that comes from. Now, maybe I would say, you know, if there were times I didn't agree that we would have a discussion, mm -hmm. but if they say something and I go, man, I, you know, sure did mess that up, you know? Well, but I think like in a lot of other places, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a version of I'm the captain, I'm the boss. Who are you to tell me anything rookie? 
you know, you, once you got 10 years on here, you can tell me something, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or I think in a lot of places, the captain might not say that, but the guys feel that and the guys are intimidated from going to the captain, even in some cases where the captain might be open to the guys coming to him. So how did, from your guys' perspective, how is that relationship built? Uh, yeah, I, it's easy for me because he's the only person I've ever worked for. <laughs> so I could be like, God yeah, bless him. What the, the best thing you can do is yeah. get a puppy. You get yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's super easy for me, but, um, you know, he just, he, he kind of puts himself out there to like let you know that it's okay. Like there will be times that he'll even tell you he goes to the treadmill and he runs two miles because he's got a 24-year-old and a 22-year-old on his truck. And he knows he'll get his ass smoked if he don't. <laughs> he's gonna go. He's gonna go run, you know, to, to stay in good shape. Um, but he he really will. I think that's important. One of the his best features as a company officer is he will put himself out there and let it be known. Like from your sit down, is like you know this is this is a job that will kill you or kill someone. You know, you come to me with my problems, I'll come to you with your problems. You know, it's kind of that day one mentality of him letting you know that you are allowed to come to me when I mess up and, and you know, call me out on it. That is that is totally right that he puts himself out there. Like, you know, Captain Bird has told me that he is not as flexible as me when it comes to fires. And he knows that. Like, when I'm in my search, like, he's like, I don't know how you get down like that. I don't know how this kid moves like that. Captain Bird has downloaded a freaking stretching app. We're doing yoga, and, baby. And he does. He does. Is that like, one of the top three drills? Or something? Oh, yeah. He stretches at night because he wants to keep up with me. And if that is not the most humbling thing and the most respectable thing I've seen him do, I mean, I don't know what it is. That is just mm-hmm. very awesome. And I think the biggest thing is even if Jake and Cat made the right choice, no matter what they did, you know, Jake, why did you choose this window? Mm-hmm. I, I want to question everything they did because one, you should be able to you should be able to give me the reason why you made that decision. And two, it's like I want to learn from each of you. And if you have to back up the decision you made, all you're doing is realizing in your head, like, that is why I made that decision. All you're doing is training yourself. Yeah. But what what else it gives you if if you you know, and I I, I appreciate the kindness that they just gave me because I can certainly be a jerk too. As, no. As, no. But what it Nobody gives, else has ever said that. <laughs> you know, but what, what that gives you when you're willing to open yourself up and, and hear your people is when you have to get on them. They know how serious it is. Because, you know, if you're if you're not going, well, I'm just the captain and I said to do it. But if you, they're going, man, I must have messed up because he really saw something there. Yeah. So, and, and, I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, listening to that, you know, I think what a lot of people in leadership positions think is like, I can't humble myself in front of my crew because... I have to, I have to be the strength. I have, you know, if, if I show my weakness, they're not going to trust me or they're not going to have faith in me or it's going to weaken that leadership relationship. But what I hear, and you guys tell me if I'm right or wrong, is that it, it's, it strengthens that more than it does. A hundred percent it strengthens it. Great firefighters are going to see your weakness, whether you open it or not. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's the fire. Go ahead, rewind 10 seconds and listen to that again. The fire will expose you every single time. And first to some, they may look at it and say, oh, he did good on that one. But the great ones is going to look at it and say, what was he doing? Yeah. yeah. Why did he do that? Someone, and, if you, and if you defend it, right, if, if great firefighters knew that you messed up and you defend it with I'm the captain, you that, lost that, it. You're done. There. Yeah. Someone once told me the pecking order is shown on a working fire. Yeah. Like it is your, your strengths and your abilities really comes out, whether good or not. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so all this mentality and stuff we're talking about tonight, you know, again, people want to know, how do I get this? You know, how do I get this? So how much of this 
and and you know uh, and and be honest and, and you can include include your whole time in the department or whatever. How much of this has either been supported by, blocked by, uh, ordered, supplied, or you know how what's the relationship between fire administration and what you guys did? I mean, do we tell you to do this? You know, do we stop you from doing this? Yeah, I mean, we're not told to do it. It's, I mean, I would say it's certainly encouraged. Uh, you know, I would say every company at Salisbury probably doesn't have, share the same mindset we do, but it's encouraged by administration. I feel it's certainly not blocked. You know, it's, you know, a lot would expect it. I would yeah. say the, the department sets the standard. Like we have our PDAs, we have our policies, what we're supposed to do, but we want to blow that standard out of the water. Yeah. We want to be the prime example of what a good fire company but, looks but like. But it's a give and take too. And I talked about it earlier is that, you know, at some point, you know, when you have good plans and good policies, you know, and you're always going to have bad ones, but you have to support them too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it goes both ways. You know, people want the cake and they want to eat it too, but they never want to give anything back. So, you know, like if you have to spit shine your boots so you can throw a ladder on the fire ground, like sometimes you just got to do what you got to yeah, do. Right. You know what I mean? Shine like, them boots, son. You know I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, now my perspective is, and, and you know, I'm I'm the combat ready guy, right? You know what I mean? I'm, you know, and, and I, I was teaching this class, you know, before I came to Salisbury. My expert, my, so my expectation, that, that was my expectation as, as the training chief. And then later when I got promoted to operations, that is my expectation. It's, it's what I talk about and it's what I, I try to live and it's what I try to have our department do. But my, my observation is, is that a lot of our guys well exceed what I asked them to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean if, the, I don't know if that means my standard is lower than I thought it was, or if these guys are better than I am. But, you know, my observation is, is that there's a lot of people that are so bought in that they go quite a bit beyond what really is the bottom level expectation. And, and in addition to that, that that has taken on a life of its own, yep. that that has now raised the bar between what might've been the official expectation now the expectation is up here, not because I said so, or not because the fire chief said so, but because the guys said so. You know, when it becomes uncool to be the slug, there's a lot more. Sl- there's a lot less slugs. I mean, yeah, slugs become the elephant in the room. Like if you're not up to our standard, it is like a light is shining down on you, and we everyone picks it apart and knows it. You know, it's and I think if you inspire everyone, you know, all the other companies and all the other members of the department. To come up to your standard, I mean, all you're doing is bettering everyone and serving the citizens better. Yeah. Well, and great coaches want that, right? Great coaches aren't sitting there while their team's in the weight room at midnight. Yeah. But they yeah. want their team in the weight room at midnight. Yeah. And they, so they create a culture and practice and during games that, that puts their team in the weight room at midnight. Yeah. You know, but they don't, they're not mandating that. They're not there for that. And, and we do, we want this, you know, I talk about it all the time. I want the same thing on my company. You know, I'll be up there doing reports and they'll be down there listening to music, forcing doors. Mm-hmm. I mean, at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Well, I, another question was, was this stuff, was the the company pride, the esprit de corps, the, the ability to have patches or to have sayings or to have a, you know, I was wearing one earlier, you know, a, a custom t-shirt, you know, you know, how, how important is that? to what you guys are talking about here. Yeah, I think it helps. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's the most important thing, but but people want to show that off, right? They want to be able to come up with their own thing and, and show it off. And, you know, for us, you know, ours is almost a, a, a thank you to the administration, right? So we were being made fun of for drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. So 
our logo is that's, yeah we got yeah, the cool aid i say that i say that all the time to people they're they're coming up and they're they're saying all this and i'm like you know i love it you know yeah we we have a kool-aid man on the back of our shirt you know put that on hifty yeah you know please <laughs> i would love nothing more <laughs> you know like it's I, I think that just builds into the pride like i think that ladder one b shift is the best ladder company in the united states of america and i think that you know, we drink the Kool-Aid, and if, if I can wear this patch, it gives me the utmost pride of my company and my guys. You know, it's just, I think if, if the departments let you have those little bits of freedom and let you eat at those, I think it just, it makes everyone better. I think it's just another thing, too, that it just shows that, you know, our main mission here is this job, right? To show up at 3 o'clock in the morning and just absolutely demolish this fire with the nastiest push we've ever made, you know, like this just kind of shows that we don't care what people think about us, but when it gets time to play, we're going to play. Yeah. And, and, and from my perspective, you know, I, I, I've seen departments out there that, you know, nobody can have anything special. We're all equal size widgets, you know, but from the, the admin side of things, like zero is zero cost. It's absolutely zero cost to let you for me, for the department to let you guys have, pride in your ownership and and ownership in your companies. And I think every one of our companies, every engine truck rescue at this point has their own patches and their own thing. And like, that's something you hear chiefs talk about all the time, man, why don't these guys have pride and ownership in their job? Like, well, you got to let them have pride and you've got to give them ownership, right? If you tell everybody, no, you're the same size widget as everybody else that works here, you know, nobody can stand out. Well, then what exactly is it you expect them to have pride and ownership in? You know what I mean? So, I, 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 you know, I'm glad we provide letting, that opportunity. That goes back to letting people stretch lines and, and do things on these calls. And, and, you know, even from the company officer, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Like, do I want my people to be great? No, 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 don't, don't dirty this hose up. Oh, yeah. you know, my God, might have to pack it back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so how, how do you deal with that? You know, how do you deal with that? This is the way we've always done it mentality. I mean, you've been through three different iterations of the fire department here. You know, you guys are talking about always changing up what you're doing, whether it's small workflow items or, or whether it's what you carry off the rig or, or what you do on a fire. How, how do you stay out of that rut? Yeah, so that is hard. I mean, and especially when you're the minority, right? You want to do this and people go, well, we've always done it. Whatever I, I mean, the reality is I think you just have to branch out. Mm -hmm. That's what we had to do. There was five or six uh, people in my department when we were making the change that really pushed for the change. And uh, we just started doing it. And if you're, like I said earlier, if you're doing the right things with the right mindset, the failure is not an option, you're getting ready to go to the worst fire of your career, it becomes very hard for people when you're doing those things to be like, you shouldn't be doing that. Because, I mean, if you explain them correctly and don't get an argument, you're like, I shouldn't be getting better at pulling lines. Yeah. I shouldn't be faster masking up. I shouldn't do 360s. And it just becomes hard to argue. Sometimes, you know, like I said, there's that bell curve and the mountain to climb can be hard. Yeah. But once you tip over, it's easy. Yeah. I think you got to show them too. Um, we uh, we often talk about how when we when y'all switch from AAA to Minuteman, you know, nobody understood that until it was shown to them how much quicker it was. And I think that's the same way for this stuff. Like, how do you, you know, change the mind of these these older people? Is well, You get out on the floor and you show them how much better this is 
in what they're doing. Bring in outside people. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I forgot about that, the change to, for, from Triple Bowl. But I, I remember one of the things that happened then is the the chief of operations then, you know, Chief Morris said, well, let me see how this works. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, op, the ops chief went out, grabbed his gear, got a 20-second lesson on how to pull a Minuteman and said, we'll just see. And he snatched the thing and ran the line through that course in the firehouse. And, you know, we ran that head-to-head course between the two different hose lines. And the, the results spoke for themselves. And, yeah. and you know, I think then you just got to have the humility to say, like, if, if your pony was the one that lost, I mean, I guess you just got to you chalk it. So you win some, you lose some. I guess that's the rules of betting, yeah. you know. But, I mean, so that, that other question I just had up on there I think is an important thing, too. How do, how do you deal with these senior firefighters? that are rubbing off on the younger firefighters with a bad, um, you know, that are, that are rubbing off with kind of a a relaxed mentality. Because I think what happens there is you get some firefighters that think, okay, I've been here for a while, like I get to be Joe Cool now. And the way I tell everybody that I'm a seasoned, cool firefighter is being by re- relaxed, not into it. I don't have to run. I don't have to train. You get what I'm saying? Like, how do you, how do you combat that? Yeah, I've seen that. I, I've had, you know, I've certainly been told, like, I don't have to prove to you that I'm good at my job. Uh, and I say, well, in any other career you would. You know, the fire service is just weird. You know, what wide receiver doesn't have to prove that he's good to his coach? What Amazon delivery guy can just hang out and be like, I don't have to deliver packages. Mm-hmm. I don't have to prove to you I can do that. And, you know, I mean, as the captain, you know, I would just have that conversation and be like, you know the senior fire the senior guy in the house is going to have as much pull as anybody there. Mm-hmm. You know, probably more than the captain. Yeah. Because that that junior guy is going to be looking to them, and I would just say, like, look, man, there's standard here, and yeah. and you're messing this up, and and you're going to mess this guy up too. Yeah. That's that's definitely a bad spot to be in as a, as the senior firefighter. Like you you want these junior guys to look up to you and everything, but if you've got that senior firefighter that just thinks like, you know. They're they're the best there is and everything in the house. It's like all right, but that gets. Let's show that on the on the drill ground. Let's go behind the station. Let's drill. Show me something, you know. And and I think if you're a senior guy out there and you've got you know people asking how how to deal with with you, like you're that senior firefighter. It's you want to set the example. You want to be that aggressive firefighter in the house, and you want that junior to be the same as you, if not better. Well, and that's the time to be the captain. All these people want to be the captain on the fire, and I see it the other way. Yeah. yeah. You know, you need to be the captain before the fire. The time to be telling everybody what to do and not to do is not when there's no discretionary time. Yeah. So the, the time to be correcting these senior guys or these bad drivers or these bad probies is in the firehouse. Yep, months mm-hmm. ago. Months ago. And that's the time to be the captain. Well, and, and you know, I, I know, you know, one, one, I think the biggest challenge for people is getting over the hump. Right, because once you get over the hump, it's self-polices. You know, once the rock stars outnumber the slugs, the it's a self-correcting ship. It's on autopilot. You know what I mean? Because the the guys are gonna the guys are gonna attack the slugs on their own. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Absolutely. But I mean, I, one of the things I remember most, and it wasn't long after I got here, is you know I remember being at an acquired building. Um, in the absolute hottest of North Carolina summers. With your Kansas buddy. Yeah, and and, we, and, and Captain Moon um, was there. And th- this guy, is a 30, he was 30-year captain. And he, it was his last shift before retirement. It was his, in fact, his retirement party was that night. And he was out there in full gear and an air pack 
on the roof of this acquired building in like 105 degree temperatures, ventilating the crap out of this roof with a hand tool, with a with a, a flathead axe, you know, and he he knew he wasn't coming back to the firehouse again. He only had like six hours till his retirement party. And by the way, even if he caught a fire in that six hours, the last person that was going to be on the roof was going to be the captain. You know what I'm saying? But still, I mean, you know, he was, you know, he was in it in there till his till the last moments of the of his career. And I think, you know, that that's what people will remember. I never worked very much with Captain Moon. He retired shortly after I got it, but I will never forget his name, and I'll never forget that because I mean that that's the kind of thing that stands out and i think if people want to have a legacy that that's the kind of stuff you model that's the kind of stuff that makes you stand out to people it's just my my thought well well let's be honest like when you're done with your career and you put your badge and everything in a shadow box and you hang your helmet up do you want to be able to say truly that you were a firefighter and what and you embodied what that truly meant that you did your job every day and you came and did it and i think you know i had a i had a, one of my first ever captains tell me that and I live like that every day. From the rig check to going to the fire, I want to know that I'm doing everything I can to be that aggressive firefighter. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap it up for tonight. Um, uh, if you guys like these, please make sure you subscribe to the channel. Schedule's willing. We're trying to get this stuff back on the calendar every month. Um, so I don't know exactly what the topic will be next month, but this is where you'll find it. If you like this, shoot us an email. Um, let us know any questions you have. Uh, I greatly appreciate all the members of Ladder 1 B-Shift stepping out here tonight. Um, hopefully you guys got some good stuff and, and got a little fire uh, to take to the firehouse with you next shift. Um, do you guys have anything to share with the guys here? All right. No, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.